The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the program's contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the University of Alabama. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bless Our Hearts, Alabama Quilt Bag Stories. I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Kevin. And I'm the other host, and my name is Lizzie. Bless Our Hearts, Alabama Quilt Bag Stories is a podcast about the stories of queer people living in Alabama. Today we're going to be talking with Charlotte. Charlotte's experience with coming out as trans did not go as well as she might have hoped. And she's going to tell us about that story today. Well, we're talking to somebody very special today. My stepsister, Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome. Uh, So, Charlotte, thanks for being here on Bless Our Hearts podcast. Uh, If you could for us, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a 28-year-old, currently unemployed trans woman living in Alabama. Um, I'm living with a friend right now. Like I said, uh, I lost my job in... June, still kind of working my life out in so many different ways. It's all very confusing and everything. But generally, I am pretty happy with my life right now. Um, I've met a lot of great people, mainly online that I don't know, but (laughs) I haven't met in person, but some people that uh, I have met in person and that live in the state. And it's just great. My life is taken on a whole new meaning in the past few years so cool i definitely feel generally happy well what kind of things did you want to talk about while you're here well um it's a great question (laughs) there's not a lot to my life my life isn't all that special and that's okay you know a lot of people's lives are like that And I think it's important to realize that we're not all supposed to do something with our lives. Sometimes we just wander, you know, adrift and don't know what to make of things around us. And but people like that, you know, I know a lot of people who are like that, too, you know, even who are currently employed. And those are some of my best friends because we can, you know, talk about anything. We can share literally anything that's going on in our lives. You only came out when you were 27. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess came out to myself on my birthday this year. Funny story behind that. I had, that night, I was tripping on acid. <laughs> <laughs> and like all good acid stories, to me, you learn something at the end of it once you're finally, you finally see the world like it is. And that night, you know, a fascinating revelation came to me. My friend Jesse, who I was tripping with, he was painting something on the ground and I was out of my mind, but the lights were off. And I started seeing like these little trickles of what I thought was blood, but it turned out just to be this glow stick that he'd cut open and was just splattering on paper because, you know. <laughs> That's what you do we when don't, you're tripping. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> But it freaked me out so much, I like clicked the lights on and just, I saw the blood, what I thought was blood for about five seconds, freaked out. And for the rest of the night, I thought that maybe he actually did like cut his wrist by accident and he was actually laying on the bed. But after that, I went out and sat on the patio 
and talk with my friend Dan, who was also tripping with us. And Dan is uh, a nurse, and he's a trans man. And we'd been friends for about six or seven months before that. And I just kind of just came out to him, you know, I hadn't said anything before that. But I was just like, yeah, Dan, this is it. This is, you know, this is where I need to go. This is what I need to do with my life. You know, I can't just keep it all in anymore. And I had for years. I mean, for years, you know, I mean, when I came back, I was living in Austin between 2014 and 2016. And when I came back, I was just in a real depressive state and didn't know what I was doing. I was living with my parents again. That didn't go over very well. (laughs) But, you know, those years I started researching about myself, you know, gaining new friends, you know, in the LGBTQ community. And it just... I kind of just opened my, you know, new set of eyes to who I really was. And it was, I haven't really looked back. So this is something that you have felt for a really long time, but just weren't comfortable expressing it openly until recently? Well, it's partly that, um, but I really didn't, I didn't fully understand what I was feeling. And, you know, I've had these feelings that I was different, that I was a woman, I mean, since I was, you know, a teenager. And I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. Nobody could really put a, you know, a term to it, a definition. I didn't have exposure to really where I was living, any, anybody that was gay. You know, anybody that was gay was just kind of, you know, kind of frowned upon. You know, people were made fun of constantly where I was going to school. And I just, I guess I kind of hid all those feelings inside. Mm. Yeah, you and I both grew up around Walker County. Alabama. Gotta so, um, <laughs> if uh, so, for anybody that doesn't know, I mean, uh, there there are cool people around Walker County, but it is not exactly known for progressiveness. Absolutely not. Um, so it can be. It, it's one of those places in Alabama where it can be hard on somebody. You came out. How long ago was that? Um, I mean, <clears throat> coming out to public, you know, family members. I started that about March, late March and April. And, uh, you know, it went well, you know, for, you know, a lot of the friends that I still consider, you know, close friends, uh, like the friend I live with now, Jesse. But um, not everybody was so receptive to it, um, especially my birth parents. You know, my parents separated when I was about seven. And I lived with my mom for a little while, uh, left, and then lived with my dad pretty much since I was 11 or let's see, actually, no, maybe about nine or 10. And when I came out to my dad first, even before that, I told him that I thought I was gay before I came out as trans. And, you know, when he said, when I said that to him, he actually said, you know, I kind of always thought maybe something was different about you when you were younger. And then when I came out to him as trans, you know, a couple months later, he denied that whole thing. So things didn't go well with your dad. No, no. He, uh, the night that I came out to him, and I can't remember the day, but I was, so many emotions are running through my head. I was, you know, worried about, well, where am I going to begin this transition? What am I going to do? When am I going to start, you know, hormone therapy? You know, what, so many things running across me. But I felt I needed to start, by, you know, telling someone. So I 
told someone that I thought was close to me, my dad, and I did, and I got the absolute worst possible response. And I don't want to drag my dad under the bus because he has done a lot for me, but I lost almost all respect for him that day. And I don't, I don't think of him the same way as I, as I used to. I, you know, I used to think that we could get along somewhat, but when he did this, it, it really was the last straw. But when I did come out to him, he said, you know, I'll, I'll never see you like that. I'll, you know, it's wrong. You know, everything that I'm sure, you know, hundreds and thousands of other trans women have heard the same things. But it definitely doesn't feel good when it's somebody that you trust. Mm-hmm. And after that, you know, I was living there. After I did come out, I left. And the whole trip I was driving over to my friend Jesse's house, I was just in shock because I was, I knew deep down that it wasn't going to go the way that I wanted to, you know, telling him everything. But he just, you're, you're never prepared for something like that. And you can only say what you feel. But yeah, it's been a struggle trying to get them to realize who I am. My stepmom, Susan, though, however, it's been, gosh, she's been great. She really has since the beginning. Like, totally didn't understand in the beginning, but still accepted it and has totally been just the greatest. Like, she's been someone who I feel, my my last connection to that life, I guess, if you will. <laughs> and I just... I'm glad I'm able to talk to her and she sees me like that, you know, I and mean, she admits that she's learning and, you know, as far as my name and, you know, pronouns, things like that. But overall, she really is really accepting. Well, don't take it too hard when she calls you your former name because she t- still calls me the dog's name sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she did that to me a lot too. And I, that was so bizarre. Yeah. Her, her dog's name is Pete. And uh, yeah. Mom calls me Pete about every third time she says my name. (laughs) But she tries. She does try. And that's, it's important, you know, to, to try for, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people who aren't going to try out Mm -hmm. there, you know, even accept, but there is a point where you have to, you do have to call out sometimes. And I try Mm -hmm. not to call out people for any reason, but you know, when, when you hear your dead name, for the, like the last time, I just have to say like Charlotte. Yeah, it's not the other name, things like that. But I don't know. It's the it's the bigger picture is still positive. Yeah, I think that you know, and and I think that we're hoping that some parents and family members of LGBTQ folks will will listen to this and will gain some some knowledge and some sense of community from the stories that people have told. But I think that especially when we talk to trans identified folks. And they're talking about their coming out stories. The overarching theme has always been this importance of the people that are closest just kind of doing their best and trying. And it seems like so many people, so many people that I've talked to who are trying to be supportive of family members that, are, that they have that are going through these types of, of things will find it so daunting because they feel like they have to make this huge transition all at once with the way they think of this other person. They have to get the pronouns right from day one and never mess up and the name right from day one and never mess up. And everything that I've, you know, not as somebody who doesn't identify as trans, but has worked with a lot of people who do, everything that I've heard from anybody who's been through this is just like, no, we just want you to vocalize your support and your best intentions and do the best you can. (laughs) 
And so I think that it's it's really nice that we've we've had some folks on here who have told those kind kinds of stories and and voiced that perspective. Yeah, I mean, we're just you know we're human. We're all human. I mean, we we are going to make mistakes. Um, I would be the first to admit the number of mistakes that I've made in my life. <laughs> and you know, I've actually you know myself of guilty of you know improper pronoun usage so i can't again i can't even i can't blame anybody for the mistakes but it's like you said it's the trying that Mm -hmm. means the most yeah so you alluded earlier to having met a lot of really wonderful people who have been very supportive of you and i think especially for folks who do live in more rural areas or more places where they don't have connection to a vibrant and public lgbtq community that finding other people who have similar experiences is something that that folks really struggle with. So could you speak uh, speak to just for a little bit how you came across folks who you could relate to and, and kind of built that, that chosen family and community? <clears throat> Most of my experiences with people that I've met have been through social media. Um, it's been a great, I mean, I've used the internet for years and social media, you know, I've been using social media since MySpace. But I never really used Facebook like I have now, just the networking, the meeting, the different groups of people, the different trans women. I think I last checked, I had like 700 friends and like 90% of them are trans women. But, (laughs) But even if we don't ever meet and even if we're not in state, you see their posts, you see their stories, you see their struggles, their successes, and you it's easier to talk to people you know you have common interests with, you mm-hmm. know, something this significant especially. So it's like I have like 700 family members, extended family members. And I unfortunately don't know that many in-state um, that I've met because I don't know if it's just the region, but mm-hmm. I know they're out there and maybe mm-hmm. they're just having a hard time you know, finding the group that they want to be in. I think a lot of the people we've talked to, their coming out experiences have been notably better than yours. So for people in these rural areas who are going through something similar to what you're having to go through right now, what would be your advice? At, I mean, I know you're not through this yet, but you're part of the way through it. <laughs> what would be your <laughs> advice for someone who is just now thinking about coming out, who is from somewhere that's less tolerant than, you know, college towns or big liberal cities? Well, first and foremost, you know, if, you know, somebody's in the closet, I would definitely suggest, you know, once you've come out to yourself, make sure that it's safe, that you're in a safe, that you're safe. I mean, Mm -hmm. people, you know, like that are the best judge of character. We know who's going to say certain things. We know who's going to be triggered by certain things, but just make sure you're safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, rural, even in, you know, larger cities, it's just as common to be unsafe in those situations too. But what I've learned most is make sure that your, your family members, you know, are going to, you know, not like try to kill you by any means, you know, because yeah. yeah. that, you know, threats like that and, you know, instances like that do occur. Mm-hmm. So yeah, first be safe. Secondly, just, be yourself you know if i assume you know trans women like me constantly constantly are deep in thought about numerous different topics about how they can better themselves and what they want to do just do it 
Mm-hmm. Just do it because you're never going to get the chance if you just don't do it, you know. Just do it however you feel is right mm-hmm. because there will always be people out there that will support you. Yeah. Even if you don't know where they're at, they will they have a just just real easy to find people like that. Use social media if you can. That's that that was a really big tool for me and even if you never meet those people, they always have great things to say and it's just it's great to have interactions with people. And if you, you know, are lucky to have somebody that's close and you can actually, you know, talk to physically, you know, do that. But definitely don't be afraid to be who you are because you're you're definitely valid. I'd like to thank you again for listening to Bless Our Hearts. We're putting out this podcast in observance of LGBTQIA plus History Month. We'll be putting out new episodes throughout the month of October. To make sure that you don't miss one, go ahead and subscribe. And if you want to learn more about LGBTQIA plus resources in your area, you can do so by reaching out to your local pride organization, or you can look for more information on equalityalabama.org. This podcast is brought to you by the Safe Zone Resource Center and the Center for Instructional Technology at the University of Alabama. Safe Zone Resource Center is an LGBTQIA plus resource center at UA that offers educational outreach, community support programming, and crisis intervention resources for LGBTQ folks and their allies. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so in a couple of different ways. You can email us at safezone at ua.edu, or you can reach out to us on social media via Facebook or Instagram at at UASafeZone. If you're at the University of Alabama and you could use some help with Blackboard and the Blackboard-related technologies, you can give us a call at the Center for Instructional Technology at 205-348-3532. You can stop by our offices. We're located in the back of Gordon Palmer Hall in room A203. Or you can send us an email at cit at ua.edu.